Hey guys, so I'm Andrew, you might not have met me before, but uh, no, it's, um, it's, it's good to see all you guys again. Um, Dave's asked me to talk to you guys um, about a topic, freedom, and like, uh, it's a very, very tough topic. Um, and I was, I was a little nervous, but um, seeing that I'm just pretty much talking to the life group that I know and love, uh, it's a very freeing feeling, so amen. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a super hard topic. Actually, when Dave asked me to come speak to you guys, I actually, you know, been praying to God about like how I can, how I can serve him more. And um, it was an awesome opportunity um, to be asked to speak to you guys. And then when he asked me what sort of topic I wanted to speak on, oh, that's, that's too broad. That's, that's too much freedom. <laughs> um, and then when he asked me to speak about freedom, I'm like, oh gosh, that's... Uh, I was thinking about like, you know, this whole big didactic lecture on the philosophy of freedom and all that and, um, and I was having a tough time, but I kind of just turned to, to Jesus, I think, and um, I thought I would do what he kind of did when he talks about like these tough topics and um, he tells stories. So I thought I'd share three completely original stories to you guys, not plagiarized at all. Um, um, that I think are relatable to us. And um, so the first one, the first story is about a, a young man by the name of Thomas Anderson. <laughs> now, Mr. Anderson, he works as, a, uh, he works as an office desk job um, computer guy, um, but at nighttime, at nighttime, he's a super hacker. Um, Mr. Anderson, he, he, trolls, he trolls the web and, and throughout his time on the web he sees some dark stuff but he sees a recurring thing, this thing that you know, maybe our life isn't really what we think it is maybe there's something more out there um, and eventually a twist of turns and events and um, he has these people come out and reach to him people with weird names, one, one person's called Trinity another person's called Morpheus and they, um, and, and they come and reach out to him and basically, they, they present to him this new reality, this new reality that perhaps the one that he's living in is false. And it's created by machines, machines that have enslaved human beings and presented them this fake reality. And they present to him a choice, a key pivotal moment in our story. Um, the character Morpheus gives um, our character Thomas um, a red pill and a blue pill. Um, he presents him a choice, a choice to either, either stay in this simulated reality or to, or to break free and um, see things as they really are. Um, and basically, uh, our main character, he, 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 makes the, he makes the right choice. I forget which color pill he takes, but um, <laughs> he, ta he, he, takes the, he takes the red pill. Um, and then, you know, he, he has some moments of doubt and things. But when he, when he finally comes to realize who he's really meant to be, he becomes a new person. He becomes a new sort of creation, uh, a, one called Nier, and he's called the One. And um, he's able to do these awesome things within um, the, the, the simulated reality, make all these changes that are, seem to be impossible. 
and, um, and basically he, he, he saves the world. Um, and interestingly, there's another character in the movie, um, someone who has seen the, the real reality, but then he makes an active choice to, to go back into the simulation because he doesn't like the way things are. Um, he likes the easy route. Um, and this particular name, uh, this character's name is called Cypher. Um, this is a movie, I'm pretty sure I don't have to explain to you guys. But this is, this is The Matrix, um, one of the best movies of all time. Um, and the way I think that this kind of relates to us is it kind of shows us that we've always had freedom. We've always had an ability to exercise our own will and make a choice. We're always presented with choices um, in our life. Um, in, in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, in effect, God made us like him. He gave us the ability to make choices, to have domain over things, um, to exercise our own will. And I think God desires for us to choose. And he desires for us to choose to be um, in relationship to him. Even, it's a recurring theme throughout the Bible. So in Joshua 24, 15, it says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua says to the Israelites. So there's always been a choice. Um, and we've always had the freedom to make that choice. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, in this movie, we're presented with one character who chooses to, to live in, um, in, in the real reality and another character who actively chooses to live in a simulation. And I think we all have to make that choice too. Um, so, I mean, you might be asking, well, you know, we're, we're kind of privileged in that we know, we know God, right? And we, we've seen the glory of God and we've made that choice. It seems pretty obvious when we see the glory of God. But what about the people who aren't able to see the glory of God? What about people who are living out and they've never heard the gospel? How can they make the choice that we've made? And what I want to um, show that, that in the Matrix, what, what is shown as well, is that everyone is born into simulation. Not, I mean, even our main character is born into this fake reality. And I think from the beginning of time that was created. So the choice, so the choice was made already for us. Um, and I guess it's a kind of a difficult concept. But I think when, when Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit that they were not meant to eat, I think it's representative of our hearts as human beings. They, they represent us. We, we had already made that choice. With the, it's hard concept to think that, you know, oh, how can I make a choice that was like thousands and thousands of years ago? But really, fundamentally, when you were born, you had already made that choice. And what the gospel, I think, is telling us is that we, needed a, we need a new heart in order to make the right choice to be with God. Um, and in, in, in Galatians um, 5, um, 5.1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery so my challenge is is that like trinity and morpheus who have seen the truth and have reached out to neo our job 
as disciples of Jesus is to also go out and reach people who haven't heard um, or are struggling with, um, with the gospel, with the good news. It Acts 1.5, it gives that challenge. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, that first part, freedom is a choice. Yeah? So, the next story is another character. And uh, his name is Paul. I don't know what his last name is. Um, Paul the Apostle. Paul of Tarsus, yeah. Well, and um, Paul's an interesting character. Um, Paul was born uh, a Jew, but also as a Roman citizen. So whoever wrote this guy's story, like, made his character already pretty interesting from birth. So his, his identities are already at conflict from the time that he's born. It's almost as if, like, you know, when I was saying before, you know, we, how can we make a choice that was made before we were even born? It's interesting that this guy was born into this situation, but anyway. Um, so, so he's so not much is given about the um, the his background. We kind of the first time we kind of hear about him, um, a a a, um, a follower of Jesus by the name of Stephen is is kind of being stoked to death, and, and Saul is kind of uh, sorry Paul is kind of there, and it says that he kind of consents to um, Stephen's death. And then, basically, the rest of the story is that Paul is going around decimating the churches around, um, around the area. He's going around persecuting um, followers of Christ and bringing them to their death. And um, he actually goes out and gets special, um, special permission from one of the high priests to go to a place called Damascus and also round up all the people there and, um, and, and you know, probably carry them off to their death. And, uh, but on, on his journey, a weird event happens to him. A bright light shines upon him. And, um, and it calls to him and it says, you know, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And then he immediately recognizes, he goes, oh, uh, who are you, Lord? And, um, and, and, the, and the voice uh, tells him, you know, I'm, I'm Jesus and, um, you know, you're persecuting my people. And he says in a very interesting line, he says, um, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. Uh, I'll explain like what I think that means uh, a bit later. But um, you know, Paul kind of realizes that his voice is is Jesus speaking to him, and um, and and Jesus is the one that he's persecuting. Um, essentially, the rest of the story um, is that. He is struck blind from the light. So after he saw the light, he can't see anything for, for three days or so. And then he still continues on his way to Damascus. As, um, uh, so, so Jesus calls him to continue on to Damascus. And then there, through a series of events, um, a follower of Christ by the name of Ananias comes and um, put, uh, brings the Holy Spirit onto Paul. And then his sight is restored. So, to kick against the goat, so I actually have to look up what a goat is. But basically, it's, um, it's a wooden stick, and um, it's, it's sharpened on one end, and it's, it's, for, um, it's for directing your livestock in a certain direction. Right? So you want it to go over there, and you might stick your goat out that way, and your, your livestock, you know, they might not want to follow that direction, so they'll kick against the wooden stake. But if they kick against it, it's going to go into the sharp end, 
and of the stick and it's going to hurt them and then naturally they're inclined to move away from the, from the stick towards the direction that the, um, that the herd master wants them to go. So it kind of shows to me that Paul is already at conflict at this time in the story. We don't know like his, his background really, but he's already at conflict. He's saying he's kicking against the ghost. He's going against what is kind of in his heart. Like his actions are going against what's in his heart. And I think this shows us that to live outside of God is to heavily burden yourself. Um, there's a realization that Paul is at conflict with his identity. I think a way that it's put is that you know, your flesh is acting one way, but your spirit is crying out for another way. And he's, he's burdened by this, by, a, by this yoke of slavery that's being talked about. And, and in this sense, he's not free. He's, he's going one way against what he really wants to do in his heart. In John, um, in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36, Jesus says, um, Well, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a, sin does not, and, a sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So, in that moment where Paul sees the light, he is seeing truth, and the truth is that moment that has set him free. And everything else around him is darkness. That's why he goes blind. Um, and it's not until he receives the Holy Spirit that he, he receives his sight again. He sees things in a new way. In John, uh, in John 1, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the light gives us a way to see in the darkness. So when we choose to abide in God, God promises to give us a new heart. He gives us light to see. He gives us a new heart. A heart, a heart that is capable of choosing Him. Um, uh, rather than choosing slavery. Um, in Ezekiel 36, um, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone, remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's no longer... So, I mean, I guess the thing about freedom and, and being a follower of Christ is... You know, there's all these rules carved in tablets of stone that you know, I've got to follow and it's so constrained. But it's not that way. We don't have a heart of stone anymore. We have a heart of flesh, a heart that desires to follow God. Let me make that choice. So I guess my final story, um, I kind of want to share with you what it looks like to be, um, to be living free and um, what freedom is like um, in our world today. Um, so this character, uh, I guess you know, we can call him Andrew R. 
Well, no, no, sorry, that's too obvious. Call him my A. Robinson. <laughs> um, I want to share like these little moments where, um, where, where I've been born into certain circumstances, and um, you know, I've had these certain circumstances happening in my life, and um, you know, why I don't think um, they were just coincidence or chance. Um, they're they're really from God. So. Um, so I so I, I was born here and um, my mom came over from China um, just uh, just a little bit before I was born and um, she didn't speak much English and um, all the rest of her family was in uh, is, is in China. Then my dad, who's um, a white Australian, he kind of entered my in the picture of my life uh, in my early childhood and then my mom and dad got married. Um, there was no. Um, there was no real religion in my family. Everyone kind of just did what they wanted to do. Um, but I went to an Anglican school. Um, but you know, um, pretty much everybody at my school wasn't really Christian. Um, my parents weren't very. My, they weren't very well off. Um, but you know, I, I, they they put me through private school, and I would say that you know I had a um, a pretty privileged life. I was made to throughout my life. You know, I was I, I hated work. I hated like doing anything um, that required effort so but interestingly I was my, my, my parents were very they very much go getting people so um, I was forced to do my homework like every day uh, I was forced to practice to piano every day and then when I got into swimming um, you know and I was training like twice or twice a day uh, for swimming every every time I had to go to the pool was um, was a battle um, yeah there's no freedom when you're doing that kind of stuff right? um, uh, but I think at you know at the um, looking back on it now, I, I became like quite good in the things that I was um, forced to do. I, I think I got to a pretty high level in a lot of those things, and like now I stand uh, before you, and um, you know I have my medical degree, and I'm um, working a pretty satisfying job. And so the questions that all these events kind of raise in my mind is like is like with Paul and his questions, uh, and and you know the questions surrounding like who he is. You know, Jew or um, Roman citizen, follower of God, or persecutor of Christians. Um, you know, what's my identity, or any of our identities? Are we just are we are we are we just rich people or poor people? Are we just people of a certain race or another race? Are we a religious person or a, an atheistic person? Are you are you a, are you a scientific person or an artistic person or an athlete? Do any of these titles? make us feel free in themselves. I kind of thought about it with my job, so if I stop working, then I lose my financial freedom, don't I? So I have to keep working. In a sense, am I not then a slave to money then, if I have that as my mindset? Um, if, I give up my, if I give up my interests, if I stop trying to pursue them to their fullest, don't I become, don't I lose, don't I lose that skill? And so the only way I can keep going is if I become a slave to that, to that particular pursuit, that particular hobby, that particular interest. If I stop doing what other people want, the labels that they have for me, um, then if I stop doing what they want me to do, then it changes their image of me. They may not like me the way um, if I become somebody different. And in a sense, am I not then a slave to their affirmation in their pursuit of them liking me? 
So looking back on these things, I don't think I lived a particularly bad or disadvantaged life or anything, but it seemed like life was kind of aimless. Like to what purpose am I, am I living? Um, everybody talks about like this daily grind in terms of living, um, just working and slaving away, people say. Um, but as a Christian now, I look and I see God's hand weaving throughout my life. His hand leading me to purpose, leading me to more, standing here today before talk, talking to you guys about this topic. Um, it's how I came to know all these beautiful people here. Um, and you know, I stand here before you with a new heart. I see myself as a new creation shaped by God's hand. Um, I don't think any of those things before that I was talking about, those events in my life, they're, they're necessarily bad. You know, in Ephesians 2.10, it says... We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So nothing in my life was a mistake. I was prepared in advance for all this. Um, kind of see that circumstance leads to a framework in your life. Framework can sometimes be seen as a constraint, but I don't see it that way. Framework gives you direction. It gives you a sense of purpose. In Exodus 35.10 All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. So the things that you're good at, the things that you choose to pursue, use them. Use them for God's purpose. And what's that purpose? In our First Timothy it says, This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved. All people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth which sets us free. So I guess in summary with the first story, I kind of want to show you that freedom is a choice and it's, it's something that we've always had. So freedom is a choice. Um, with Paul's story, freedom is the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. And then finally with my story, freedom is our means of salvation. Um, so my final thing that I want to say to you guys um, as we go forth um, is in Galatians 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Excellent.